It's Health Naturally for our sponsor, Dennis Stewart's New Lambton Herbal Medicine Centre. And Dave from Shortland rang in. Probiotics are on your mind, Dave. Yeah. I know you've spoken about this before, Dennis, but now that I've started taking it, I'm probably just want to get a little bit more information about yes, yes, what yes. I'm actually taking. Yes. So, you know, like you look at the jar and it says something billion, yes. you know, uh, good bacteria. Yes. So what does it actually do to your body? Okay. These so-called microorganisms that you refer to that, that go under various names, various strains of acidophilus, these things are, uh, are very useful. F- uh, I'll put it this way. They're useful for establishing what some would say would be a healthier environment in the large bowel or the colon. In, in other yep. words, they tend to work against pathologies in the large bowel that can promote distress, inflammation, um, infection, uh, diarrheic conditions, loose bowels. So they've been used very much through the ages in simple forms as basically sour milk, yogurt, more sophisticated forms today but they all purport to be able to uh, recolonize the bowel, make it more healthy, give it more resistance to what you might call bad, in inverted commas, uh, bacteria there. Now, uh, that was the way in which we used to see it, and, and I think there's a lot of truth in that, so that people, for instance, that have been on antibiotics for any length of time or even during their antibiotic treatment find that going on to probiotics will sometimes stop the drift, uh, drift towards... Um, thrush conditions, particularly in, in, in ladies. Uh, but these days, probiotics are, are given a much broader uh, usage, and there's literature out there now um, which puts the case for saying that probiotics can also have an immunological consequence, so that uh, if probiotics are used, their action transcends just a local action on the health of the large bowel. That action reflects itself totally immunologically, so that these substances these days are used as part of an immune defence program, and hence um, various brands and products of probiotics are in the marketplace now, um, claiming to do more than just address the health of the Mm. bowel, seeing them more as an important agent in improving resistance, boosting one's immunity. Yeah, I know what you're saying because they're, they're adding they're adding these other words to, you know, the name they're like plus or yeah, something, you yeah, know. So yeah. look, I I think um, the the issue here, Dave, is to realise uh, probiotics can be simple things, and uh, my view is that very frequently the industry takes these things up and presents them in a way that perhaps is a little bit um, overselling. That's that's my view. It's a, not a yeah. popular view. So for patients, for instance, that that I have that are on limited budgets, I'll frequently say, frequently say, look, just go to the supermarket and get some Yakult, or go to the supermarket, oh, yeah, yeah. go yeah. to the supermarket and get some high quality yogurt. These sorts of things uh, are foods, and this is the way that uh, they uh, probiotic ideas have been used since time immemorial. See, the whole history of them goes back to the work that was done very early last century um, when it was noted that people in the Caucasus in Russia uh, were living disproportionately long lives and there was an interest in trying to see what was causing this and one of the things that was raised was that these people's uh, diet was very much structured around uh, sour milk products 
which were essentially a crude form of probiotics. And this was then taken on board. A case was made for their longevity. And that longevity obviously had something to do with their improved immunity. So from that very simple level, we then moved to the yogurts. We move up to the yakults. And we move now to very sophisticated encapsulated preparations that are in the marketplace, all of which work well. But if you're on limited budgets, try to use the, the simpler forms. Yeah. That uh, ends- yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that much of a strain because, you know, you, you're paying like $40-odd and that mm-hmm. gives you one a day and mm-hmm. that's three months' worth. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not bad, really. No, it's not bad at all. Not bad so at all. that answer your question then, Dave? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jane. Think Thank up, you, Dave. Think, think up you, some Dave. more thanks, questions about it and we'll talk to you again soon. So 49216216, that's the number. And Beryl has rung in from Booragal. Severe colitis, Beryl. Yes, I just wondered if what Dennis um, could tell me about mm. what success he's had with mm. natural preparations. I have a 42-year-old daughter who yes. suffers terribly with yes, colitis and yes. has done for a number yes, of years. Yes. She mm. has been taking a drug called Pentassa, which mm. hasn't helped at mm. all. Um, they're just talking to her about going on a clinical trial for a new drug, which apparently has been only approved for psoriasis, and apparently they say there's some connection between psoriasis and yes. colitis. Well, well, but, and I just mm, wondered what mm, you could suggest naturally okay. for her. Well, to start with, both those diseases you mentioned are what are called autoimmune diseases. That, yeah. is, that is, the body is attacking, in the case of rheumatoid arthritis, its, uh, its muscle and joint tissue. And in the case of colitis, uh, the autoimmune situation is seeing the body attacking the, the uh, health and particularly the mucous membrane of the large bowel or the colon. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure of the drug that, um, might be, that you might be contemplating. I know that a drug called methotextrate is used to address no, this, this one is um, is a, only a, it's not approved oh, in okay. Australia apparently. Okay. It's something okay. called a penalas. Okay, I'm I'm not up on that. I'm, as, no. as you know, but look, um, anyone that purports to say that colitis is an easy condition to treat, I think is mistaken. Even yep. even within the mainstream, I think it would be accepted that it can be a troublesome condition and can transcend even the ability at times of things like steroids, prednisone, etc., to be able to control it. Yes. So what I would suggest, however, is that with inflammatory bowel disease, uh, there's a couple of things that might be of use, and these sorts of things need to be um, run past, obviously, the gastroenterologist or the GP who is in charge of your daughter. The things, yes. the things I'm going to mention are things that I have used during my 40 years of practice, generally speaking, to help or work with or complement treatment that's been given by the mainstream for this condition. The first thing that I would think would be useful would be to start using on a regular basis the very common protective herb known as slippery elm. Now, it's very safe, and the rationale for slippery elm is that it has a substance in it that is referred to as mucilage, M-U-C-I-L-A-G-E. Now, mucilage, as it passes through the system, passes through relatively intact. And as it moves through, it puts a transitory but useful protective membrane on inflamed surfaces of the gut, whether that be the upper gut, the stomach, or the large bowel. And it can also be effective in, uh, how can I call it, mopping up some of the diarrheic symptomatology 
that accompanies colitis. In other words, it can give substance and, and, uh, and body, if you like, to the stool by slowing down beneficially transit time through the large bowel. So right. certainly using that, I, mm-hmm. would, I would think, in my opinion, would be a useful thing to do. Now, the other thing to factor here also is that there are a number of herbs that contain important flavonoid substances, and these flavonoid substances uh, have the ability to lessen inflammatory phenomena around the body generally. And the, it might interest you to know that the herb bilberry, for instance, ordinary bilberry, particularly in a, in a liquid form, uh, contains a significant bioflavonoid called an anthocyanidin, which gives to bilberry its, its black colour. Now, right. that, that bioflavonoid has a useful complementary anti-inflammatory effect and is very popularly used in Europe for addressing uh, inflammatory diarrheic conditions of the large bowel. The other thing about bilberry that has excited me over the years that one of its secondary principles is known as an astringent. Now, an astringent or the action of astringents has largely been lost in mainstream medicine, but the definition of them is still there. Astringents, when they work through the system, have a tightening effect on mucous membrane surfaces. Now, this is useful in as much that by doing this, they work against inflammatory phenomena, they work against bleeding, and they, in, they work with mucilage and slippery elm to encourage better stool characteristics. So the right. second thing that I would say is your daughter should raise the possibility of using a high-quality liquid extract of bilberry, particularly, okay. particularly to address the bleeding and the looseness of the stools in conjunction with slippery elm. Right. And these can be obtained from the health food store, yes, of course? Yes, they, yep. they can be obtained um, uh, from a pharmacist, a compounding pharmacist. They can be obtained from a practising herbalist or naturopath or some of our better health food stores. And let me put it this way, I believe we have the best health food stores in Australia in Newcastle, not just because I've taught most of the people that run them, <laughs> okay. but they are very, very good and would know what I'm talking about. And if I can help your daughter, uh, because I have an interest in this um, this topic, if I can help your daughter more, she's welcome to uh, to email me um, on, on, a, on an email that I'll give you and let me Thank know you. more about it. My email is scherbs. At optusnet.com.au. Kim, who's rung in uh, from Bulwara, and uh, your niece has a baby. Who's got a problem, Kim? Yes, she's um, two weeks old and she's got colic. Mm. And I was just wondering if there's any herbal solution. A little baby at two years of age. Oh, no, two weeks. Oh, two Sorry. weeks. Sorry. <laughs> <That's Yeah. it. laughs> well, Not so little. <laughs> a little baby at. Two, two weeks of age obviously needs yeah. to be cautiously managed for this condition. I, presu- yeah. I presume um, the little baby is, is under a general practitioner? Yes. Okay. Yes. Well, well, look, what I'd suggest you do, uh, in, in older times, a preparation called dill water. Dill water. That would have been um, dispensed and manufactured by a pharmacist, particularly mm-hmm. for that condition. It just goes as dill water. As far as I'm aware, it's still in the Australian pharmaceutical formulary, certainly some of the older editions. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure a compounding pharmacist uh, could manufacture it for you, and it would be inexpensive. And the herb dill 
Um, <laughs> we use the word dill a bit disparagingly these days, but there is a there is a there is a herb called dill which is very safe. And in, in technical terminology, it's called a carminative, C-A-R-M-I-N-A-T-I-V-E. And carminative herbs, ranging from peppermint through to dill, are renowned for dispersing colic and causing a reduction in, in, in pain in, the, in that area. So yeah. if, I, if I was um, your niece or whoever it is, I'd go to the GP, and it must be, mm-hmm. must be managed by a GP. The child is only two weeks of age. And um, it would be irresponsible of me to suggest that you do otherwise. See your GP, mention what I have said, um, and with his approval, there would be a compounding pharmacist up around there, I'm sure, get get some of it made up. If you can't get it up there in the the valley where you are... Oh, she's actually in Port Macquarie. Oh, is she? Okay, well, look, Mm. I'm uh, I'm sure there would be a compounding pharmacy up there, but if your GP were to approve of it, uh, it could be manufactured down here, say, by our good friends at Visionary Health. Yeah. I mean, my, I had two that had it, and I think years ago we used um, Dr. Glasses. Yes, thing. and I was, going to, <laughs> I, I was going to... I was just discussing that with Jane here, and if, yeah. if, um, if you're... I've got to couch my terms very cautiously uh, because yeah. the child is only two, two weeks of age. If you were seeking to get hold of that, it is still available from, oh, okay. from a pharmacy in Mayfield yeah. <laughs> um, who has a big sign, a big sign on his uh, awning which, yeah. which, which says that he, he still manufactures that preparation. Oh, okay. You can't miss it. Uh, mm-hmm. And if your GP approves of it, um, you can get hold of that preparation as well. There, there is light at the end of the tunnel, put it that way. I know. Oh, it's horrible. I know, I know. Look, I, I, my wife has been through it four times with our kids. Fortunately, that's in the past. Fortunately, in the way, way past. Uh, but I know what you're going through. I empathise. But there's hope, either in dill water or in the preparation from our Mayfield pharmacy colleague that still manufactures Dr Glass's formula. Good luck with that, Kim. And uh, Jill has rung in. Now, alkaline water, you'd like what What would you like Dennis to comment on about alkaline water, Jill? Um, hi, Jane and Dennis. I've just, I've just been um, reading a lot about it and its beneficials and, you know, versus tap water, which is... Um, they say is acidy and this alkaline water is better for you and so forth. So I just wanted to know, Dennis, your take on this. Well, look, I'll be quite blunt with you. Um, in, in my opinion, water is water. Um, I um, don't place a lot of emphasis on where one gets it. Um, I prefer to uh, get water from my own tank. And I have a tank in my house in Cessnock. I have tanks in my house at Gosford. I have tanks in my cottages at Rothbury. So uh, I've done all right drinking tank water. A lot of people <laughs> people raise their eyebrow. I prefer to drink tank water. Uh, I think it makes a better cup of tea. But as for saying anything positive about uh, pH levels in water, oh, I'm not an expert on that, but I'll be blunt with you and think, look, a good, a good glass of water, so long as it's cold, um, on, on a hot day, I wouldn't be too worried about its alkalinity or acidity. Get a tank on Jill. <laughs> There's the answer, Jill. Because there's also another advantage of tank water. You tend to get uh, a lot of, uh, how can you call it, 
accumulated minerals and other things mm-hmm. from yes. the substances that have dropped in it over time. So there, yes. there might be some benefit in, in that also that makes may have a little bit of a predilection towards tank water. There you okay, go, Jim. Well, cool. Thank okay, you, Jim. Uh, although I hate to think of the possums that might be running over your well, roof. Uh, <laughs> all I know is that it tastes very good, whatever it is. <laughs> Okay, 4921616 for your questions. And John's rung in from Abermain. Cholesterol, uh, it's the old chestnut, isn't it, John? Yes. Um, What I'd be concerned about is uh, statins. Yes. Um, They make you ache. Yes. uh, Are you on a statin presently, John? Yes. What was your cholesterol level? At the moment, it's five. Are you on? And what was it previously? Um, it went up. Uh, there's a call coming in. Okay. Uh, can you turn it off, John, and talk to us? No. Okay. <laughs> I think we might have lost John. So in that case, Wiley attends to his other call. Call um, Margaret um, from Cessnock. Um, Tell me, what kind of disorder is this you'd like to talk to Dennis about? It's pyrrole. Uh-huh. I have been uh, diagnosed with pyrrole disorder. I'm an undermethylator. Um, I'm high in copper and low in zinc. Um, and I can't remember the rest right now. Uh, was this done by a conventional doctor? Uh, no, it was done by a fellow doing biobalance. He's also a GP, but okay. he, he does complimentary as well. Okay. Look, I know not a great deal about this. It, mm-hmm. has, it has never been uh, a concern for me in my 40 years of practice. Uh, I know it's, um, how can you call it? I know it's surfacing, particularly from um, some medical practitioners, even naturopaths. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I'm, okay. not sh- I'm not sure that I give a lot of credibility to it. Now, that is my opinion, put it that way. Um, All right. But, and I have never found it, uh, how can I call it, anything that has um, given me any major clues in my practice, my style of practice, in helping patients. There may be something in it, Margaret, and I'm not disputing mm-hmm. what your good GP is doing, but I know not a lot about it, and I've never found it. Uh, an important thing for me to know. Okay, fine. Thanks. Okay. Thanks for your call, Thanks, though, Margaret. Margaret. It's always yeah. worth asking. And uh, we're coming back to dermatitis right now with Fran, who's rung in on 49216216 from Raymond Terrace. Um, Hello, Fran. Hello, Dennis. How are you? I'm well indeed. How are you? I'm well too, thank you. Good, good. Um, I'm just, I have some sort of a dermatitis yes. in my ear canal. Yes. Um, it gets chronic sometimes. Yes. What are you using presently on it, Fran? I've started using tea tree oil. Yeah, look, if, if it's a dermatitis, has your doctor diagnosed it as a dermatitis? No, I haven't seen anyone about it. Well, look, just a little bit of advice. Um, anything in the ear canal needs to be clarified. Um, it may not be a dermatitis. It could be a fungal condition. Um, what I would do first is get let your GP have a look at it to to work out the pathology behind the condition. Um, Tea tree oil is useful for some conditions, but if it's an inflammatory condition such as dermatitis, 
um, tea tree oil might not be the way to go. Tea tree oil is a very pungent and potentially irritating substance, which is all right to address uh, infections topically. But yep. if, if you've got dermatitis, I'd be cautious there. Okay. Get your, get your GP to have a look at it first. Uh, how long have you had it for, um, Fran? Um, quite some time. Okay. Well, it's time you had it looked at. Yeah. Uh, if it is a dermatitis, uh, your GP may prescribe a, a steroid initially, which might tidy it up. If that doesn't do it, think of the, the GA cream, right? GA? The GA cream, which is what I was talking about earlier. Right. which is frequently an alternative to steroid. In any case, what I will do, seeing you've rung the program, I will send you a jar of the GA cream free of charge. Oh, thank you. And, and, but before you use it, get clarification okay. from your GP. But if you stay on the line and give to our receptionist your details, I will make sure my clinic at New Lambton puts some GA cream in a little, in a little pack and sends it to you uh, to give it a try if that is what it is, an inflammatory condition. Got Pat now from Warner's Bay and uh, medication for blood pressure and licorice. That's on your mind, Pat. Yeah, someone told me that you can't have licorice when you're on blood pressure tablets. And when it's coming Christmas time, it's a bit of a bother. Okay. Well, look, <laughs> the good news is that licorice confectionery doesn't necessarily contain licorice. So if you're using... Um, confectionery with what you think might be a licorice on it it may not be licorice it might be a, a flavored substance that tastes like licorice sometimes aniseed is used um, as, a, as a substitute for it the other thing is if you were to use even if it were um, pure licorice um, which it would be unlikely even if it were pure licorice the small amount that would be in um, the confectionery that you might eat, in my opinion, would be inconsequential. It would not meet the large amount of licorice that would need to be ingested on a regular basis to cause blood pressure problems. Oh, right. So, no. so uh, the, no, I can have my licorice lollies at Christmas. Oh, look, I, I, I would, uh, I would be very, <laughs> I would be very, very confident to say that the, if, even if it were pure licorice that you were having in your, in your lollies or whatever they were, the short time that you would be eating them um, and the small amount of concentrated licorice that uh, might be in it is unlikely um. to distress you. It's unlikely to see you have an elevation. Look, to put it, to, what, what you've been told is partially correct. As I said last week, um, the therapeutic use, the therapeutic use of licorice to address uh, serious medical conditions such as ulceration, um, uh, if if that is pursued at a medical level, that can conceivably complicate blood pressure because, as I said last week, regular therapeutic doses of licorice cause uh, sodium to be retained and sub-loss of potassium. Now, I said last week, and I'll say it again, I don't think I've ever seen that scenario occur in my long history of uh, treating people with licorice it is possible it is possible but if one works within the therapeutic range of 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 licorice the liquid extract it's very difficult to see that occurring and certainly in your case as a christmas indulgence 
I don't think you need to distress yourself. <laughs> Have one for me, so it's That <laughs> is good news. Thanks, Dennis. Uh, Dorothy is rung in from Musselbrook, and uh, statins are on your mind, Dorothy. Yes. Um, Dennis, I, I, my cholesterol's gone up to eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's usually about seven. I have yeah. trouble with statins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my doctor has put me back on to Lipitor, and the first night my mm. legs swelled up so much, mm. and I've mm. got arthritis in the sure. feet. Sure. You can imagine what I went through, and I've got mm. blisters have started on the mm. bottom of my leg have from, you, the, I'll ask from you, the swelling. I'll ask you a few, quick, uh, a few quick questions. Yep. Do you have diabetes? No. Do you, uh, have you had any heart conditions? Uh, I've got a slight heart murmur. Okay. That's all. Yeah. Are you on blood pressure medication? Oh, yes. I'm on a blood pressure, um, okay. half a tablet morning and night. Okay. Well, look, there are sometimes alternative to statins, even in the mainstream. Have you got a pencil and paper there? Yep. What you should do is ask your doctor if he's prepared to give you a trial on the medication you can get from the pharmacist called Ezetrol. EZ E T R O L Ezetrol. Yeah, I've heard of that. Now Ezetrol is frequently prescribed to people that can't tolerate statins or who are concerned about statins. You're talking to someone who uh, shares your reservations about (laughs) statins, and I could I could talk all day about this, but but I'm likely to be sued by the pharmaceutical industry. I've been into it over the years because this is a problem. (laughs) I I uh, try try to get on. To, to, to the Ezetrol as a trial. And, and also, um, there are substances that you can also get from your health food store or pharmacy uh, known as phytosterols. I'll spell that for you. Yep. P-H-Y-T-O. Phyto, P-H-Y-T-O. Yep. S-T-E-R-O-L-S. Now, yep. they are well known. They are well known as far as being able to lessen the reabsorption of cholesterol and hence lessen its level progressively. So you can get those, again, from your pharmacy or health food store. I think there's one product called Cholesterol Manager that's that's readily available. I know that for sure, over-the-counter, without script. It might be useful to take it as as a fallback position in conjunction with the Ezetrol to see if you can get down those few units. If you, in my opinion, if you're around 5.5 or even a little bit above, this is my opinion, um, I think, well, I'd be happy with that, put it that yeah. way. Well, I've been happy with the seven. I mean, I, I first had it indicated to me when I was 30 and I'm 80. Are you 80? Now, and it's the same. Well, I tell you what, there will be many doctors and therapists out there prescribing these things that won't even get to 80. So <laughs> you, you might have something to offer. Very well done, Dorothy. <laughs> and uh, just time for a couple more questions. Louise has rung in from Edgeworth. Peptic ulcer. We've been talking a bit about ulcers. What's Hello, your... Louise. Yes. Hello, Dennis. How are you? Um, I'm just well, thank you. Good, good. Um, just wondering if what would you recommend on on Pariot? Yes. Pariot um, is what's called a PPI inhibitor. It's a new uh, one of the newer medications that simply uh, lessens, if you like, the, the hydrochloric acid level of your gut. I've said it simply. And that obviously promotes some healing of the gut wall. But what, what else are you on? Uh, nothing else. Okay. Well, look, um, you know my thoughts on licorice. It is well documented well-documented as being one of the most positive, well-proven ways 
of actually healing the ulcer, participating in he- healing the ulcer. So in my yeah. opinion, in my opinion, it would be a sensible way to reinforce um, the medically prescribed preparation you've mentioned by adding some licorice extract to your management to give you a second line of defence to actually promote healing of the gut wall. I can see no contradiction in using that in conjunction with the PPI inhibitor that you've been prescribed. But again, yeah. again, if you're going to use licorice therapeutically, you must let your medical manager know and you must work with a standard preparation, a liquid extract, that is prescribed within the dose range of two to four mils, three times daily. And thanks for your call, Louisa. Good luck with that. And uh, Tracy, we're staying in the gut at the moment, ulcerative colitis. She's rung in from Raymond Terrace, our last call for today. Hello, Tracy. Good, good afternoon. How are you? Oh, well, indeed. I have um, a chronic ulcerative colitis. Yes. I was diagnosed with it when I was seven years of age. Yes. So I'm in my 50s now. Yes. Um, I really struggle with this um, disease. It's really taken over my whole life. Dear, dear. Um, I um, have been on various medications yes. over the years yes. um, to suppress the um, immune system, system, et cetera. Yes, yes. Um, and I was hearing you say about licorice extract. What yes. sort of advice would I need? Well, before you start using licorice, because it does need to be used cautiously, you would mm. need to um, have a good understanding of its interaction possibilities with what you're already taking. What, right. I su- what I suggest you do is ring my rooms at New Lambton. I'll give you the number. Yes. 49562321. Yes. Bring your uh, treatment routine down with you. Yes. And we'll uh, talk more seriously about it rather than mm. just make recommendations, which would be, in my opinion, a bit superficial in your case, Tracy. Right. Okay. Well done, Tracy. That's uh, that's great, and that's our program for good today, program, Dennis. Jane. We've had lots You're of good going like interaction. A house on fire, Jane. There's in... no doubt about you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dennis Stewart, and we'll be back talking health naturally. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Two NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.